Hello, and welcome to the 48th episode of the Big Rhetorical Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Woods. Today is October 5th, 2020. In January of this year, before the coronavirus pandemic, the Big Rhetorical Podcast traveled to Birmingham, Alabama for the Southeastern Writing Center Association Conference. Of the panels I attended, a couple really stood out as engaging with critically important conversations for our discipline. On this episode of the Big Rhetorical Podcast, you're going to hear from two scholars who presented at SWCA 2020, Jordan Guido and Carlos Rosa. Jordan Guido, he, him, is a master's student in the Composition, Rhetoric, and Digital Media Master's program at Nova Southeastern University. He is also a graduate assistant coordinator in the NSU Writing and Communication Center. His research focuses on queer rhetorics, and he has presented at regional and national conferences, including SWCA. Because we are trying to make sure that our center is inclusive to all persons coming in, we wanted to have some training materials or a presentation or a space where we can go in with our consultants and have those conversations. Because of the response that we've gotten from our writing center and the response from our consultants saying that they would like more of this content, we decided that it would be important for other centers. Carlos Rodriguez Rosa, he, him, is a master's student in composition, rhetoric, and digital media at Nova Southeastern University. He currently holds a position as a graduate assistant coordinator at NSU's Writing and Communication Center, where he provides writing assistance to undergrads, mentors undergrad consultants, and serves as a composition fellow for first-year writing courses. Rodriguez Rosa's research focuses on the intersection between composition studies and identity studies. His work takes up topics including queer inclusion in writing centers, identity formation within online role-playing writing communities, and the role of politics within academic practices. Because we serve 20,000 students, it's important to understand that not all those, all those students are going to be cisgendered or straight. And so we need to find ways to include them so we can have them feel comfortable within our space because we want to help everyone, right? I hope you enjoy my conversation with Jordan Guido and Carlos Rosa. So let's start with you, Jordan. Um, what is your name, your uh, institutional affiliation, and your role at that institution? Right. So, hi, I'm Jordan Guido. I use he, him pronouns. I'm a master's student in the Composition, Rhetoric, and Digital Media Master's Program at Nova Southeastern University. I'm a graduate assistant coordinator at the NSC Writing Center, and I usually focus on training inclusion, and community events. Carlos, what about you? What's your name, your institutional affiliation, and your role there? Oh, hi, my, uh, I'm Carlos Rodriguez Rosa. Uh, I use he, him pronouns. 
I am a master student of, oh God, sorry. I'm a master student in composition, rhetoric, and digital media at Noah Southeastern University. I am also a graduate assistant coordinator in the NSU Writing Center. And most of my work there includes uh, training, uh, writing the monthly newsletter, and working on inclusion practices. Carlos, you're not originally from Florida. Where are you from? Uh, I'm originally from Puerto Rico. And you got your bachelor's degree where? I got my bachelor's degree at Grand University in Des Moines, Iowa. And what led you to Des Moines, Iowa? Um, I think I was growing up in a commonwealth of the United States <laughs> um, that is Puerto Rico. I always saw like American culture and I was like, hmm, that's cool. And I think to me, the Midwest was the most <laughs> American thing you could get. <laughs> um, I'm currently uh, in the Midwest and I can I can confirm that your, your thesis is correct. <laughs> um, but mostly I applied to Grammar University and I got a full ride basically. And that, I was very blessed to get that. So that was most of my decision process. And so did you move from Puerto Rico directly to Iowa? Yes. Wow. <laughs> Talk a little bit about that experience. I imagine there was a bit of shock. Oh, yeah. There was a big culture shock, mainly because in Puerto Rico, we hug our friends. Uh, we kiss um, people on the cheek. And in Iowa, people the first thing I saw was people like shake each other's hand and they're not touchy. And so it was kind of like a personal space kind of thing. But mostly it was because uh, for me, the culture shock was because in Puerto Rico, um, I didn't really experience any racial discrimination whatsoever. Uh, the issues in Puerto Rico deal more with class. So um, moving to Iowa, I became an other, I kind of became a minority for the first time in my life, besides being gay, it's fine. Um, but uh, <laughs> it was a very big shift to sh uh, to kind of understand my own privilege of never having experienced that and then experienced that, experiencing that for the first time. What do you think led you to major in English and have a concentration in writing at Grandview University? I always had an affination with stories and with uh, knowing things outside of my context. And I grew up uh, talking Spanish, speaking, you know, I, my life functioned in Spanish, and I was always very in awe of English and the way it worked and the way that in my head it mirrored Spanish. And I guess to me, communication is power. Communication is the base of human connection. And I guess for me, I really wanted to hone that skill. And I guess maybe this is also a product of growing up in a commonwealth of the United States. It does not speak English. I really wanted to feel like I could function in the United States and this society and something outside of my context. Jordan, uh, are you got your bachelor's degree at Florida International University? Are you from Florida? Yes, I am originally. Grew up in 305, good old Miami. 
You grew up in Miami. Okay, what was uh, what what was that like? Do you have a big family, stuff like that? Yes, I do actually. My family is uh, first generation, so my parents immigrated um, late in the '90s, and so I grew up in downtown Miami, um, growing up, moving more towards the suburbs, and it was a really wonderful time. It's a great melting pot full of so many different cultures and. Um, I feel really lucky to have had that experience growing up. Is Florida International University in Miami? Yes, it's in Miami. It's out. Well, they have several locations. Mm. One of them is um, more suburban. There are some sites in downtown area, and it even goes internationally. I believe there's a campus in China now. That's super cool. Yeah, putting me international. <laughs> yeah. So did you uh, major in English there, I guess, and get your bachelor's degree? And what, what kind of led you to writing studies within the purview of English studies? What led you uh, to composition and rhetoric studies? Composition and rhetoric studies. I would say I got my first interest in comp rec during my final semesters at Florida International University. I took a wonderful course, and from that course, I just got really interested in the field and the study. And so as I was growing in my writing center, as I was making more connections, I actually was able to make a connection with Kevin Dvorak. And so he suggested the program to me. And so the rest is history. Excellent. So you worked in the writing center as an undergraduate? Yes. Um, I would say all four years that I was an undergrad. Super cool. How about you, Carlos? Did you work as a writing center tutor as an undergrad? Uh, yes. I started my sophomore year of undergrad, mm -hmm. and I worked for all, all, th all the three years after that, and I actually at some point served as the student director of Multilingual Student Success. What prompted you, Carlos, to make another pretty big move, perhaps not as as uh, big as the first move, but to make the move from Iowa to Nova Southeastern University? Mostly it was because of its writing center. I was enamored by writing center studies while working at a writing center at Graham University. And I was very much impressed with uh, the writing center at Nova and I was also a very big fan of Kevin Dvorak's work. And I used him for my research and scholarship in undergrad. I went to IWCA and I used his work and I was very, well, I'm, I just, I'm just gonna go to the source. <laughs> and it, the rest is history. And I guess Florida also felt like home. It felt a lot, it's a lot like Puerto Rico down here. It has its own differences, but it felt more, more authentic to me. You both mentioned the Writing Center at Nova Southeastern University as as one of the reasons you wanted to go and study there. What is it about the Writing Center at Nova Southeastern that makes that work so appealing? I'll say that what made this space so appealing was the fact that it seemed to really inspire a lot of good academic work, work that was centered around student success. And particularly in the fact that the center and the space seems to actually be attempting to help the student body that's around it. I think supporting the community and the community of writers, especially 
has a has has a recursive nature on the level of all work that's happening at the university. That's my um, input. So I would think that the center and the space itself, aside from being newly renovated and gorgeous and wonderful in and of itself aesthetically, is a great place to actually continue scholarship and to have those conversations with our students. I think what I find intriguing about the Writing Center at Nova Southeastern University is the level of institutional trust that it has. It has over um, 70 plus employees uh, with three faculty coordinators and we are able to have around 10 uh, graduate assistant coordinators and it's it's a space where a lot of people work Mm -hmm. and it is becoming increasingly important to the university because we are university right? we serve um don't quote me don't quote me if i'm wrong we serve we serve over 20,000 students and we are also embedded in multiple courses throughout the university like uh first year comp uh hips and we're also in uh, this year we started be, uh, becoming embedded in spanish courses so that's really cool work that i think is important and intriguing It sounds like you all are building quite a culture in the writing center at Nova Southeastern. How does that culture differ from previous experiences working in writing centers? Maybe perhaps during your undergraduate experience. I would say the difference in culture is the fact that because we have so many consultants and so many uh, functioning parts of the NSU writing center, there is a lot of more structure that needs to be in place. And sometimes when including that structuring, including that level of higher education professionalism, um, some of the more, I would say, softer moments of writing center work gets lost. So making sure that we're going back and making sure we're creating those connections with our writers and within our own writing center community. And just knowing you all a bit and knowing you work your work, Carlos, it's important I think for you all to recognize that you come from different writing center cultures based on, from your undergraduate experience. Oh, absolutely. At Grammy University, our student body is around 2,000 students. <laughs> so it's a drastically different student population. And the writing center where I worked at had 10 consultants, and we functioned out of two cubicles. <laughs> and, and, but we, because we were so small, we had an opportunity to have weekly meetings throughout a course that I took every semester that I worked there. And our conversations uh, revolved a lot around social justice and inclusion of different identities and writing across the curriculum. And again, just as Jordan said, when you translate that into a bigger context, when you go into a space with 70 plus employees, some of those things are lost because we have to have a hierarchy. We have to have some institutional priority because we are a department. And our a lot of our work is to take what we've learned uh, throughout our social justice work and our education and those smaller, I guess, softer um, instances of writing center work and try to uh, bring that into the work we're doing to enhance and better the consultants that we have. And on that point, just on FIU's writing center, the center was around 30 consultants in total and was 
wonderfully managed by Glenn Hutchinson, um, one of my mentors. Um, we also had weekly staff meetings, which revolved around community events, community building, speaking to different students about their language concerns, specifically because Florida International has such a large volume of study abroad students. So bringing them within our meetings and actually having discussions with them to see how best we can help assist them. So definitely keeping that connection thriving here at NSU. I met you all when I attended your workshop at SWCA in Birmingham, Alabama. Your workshop was titled Expanding Inclusive Practices Toward Everyday Queering of the Writing Center. <laughs> what all prompted you to see this workshop as a need at this time? Oh, that's a good question. That's a very good question. I would say that this inclusive practice Right, right. Yeah, I would say it, it really came from earlier presentations that we'd done as part of our Brave Space training series. Because we are trying to make sure that our center is inclusive to all persons coming in, we wanted to have some training materials or a presentation or a space where we can go in with our consultants and have those conversations. Because of the response that we had gotten from our writing center and the response from our consultants saying that they would like more of this content, we decided that it would be important for other centers to also join into our dialogue. And just to add on to that, a lot of the work that I do personally stems from trying to understand my own embodied experience. So coming to NSU and working with Jordan and finding that he and I are some of the only out queer people and as gay men it is at least for me important to create a space for my identity within academic spaces uh, because historically um, queer identities has been, have been seen as othered and as because we are a minority of course so because we have because we serve 20,000 students, it's important to understand that not all those, all those students are going to be cisgendered or straight. And so we need to find ways to include them so we can have them feel comfortable within our space because we want to help everyone, right? So what were some of your goals with, when you started developing this workshop for SWCA? I think our main goal was to create transferable skills, mainly uh, with language and pronoun use and creating a space where we understand that some of the people in that presentation, in that workshop, may not know the concepts that we were talking about. And we wanted to create a space where it's okay to not know. Yeah. And jumping off of that sort of um, extending our break space pedagogy into a different place, a different space, if you will. Seeing how we can best try to apply, as Carlos was saying, engaging in conversations, engaging in difficult conversations with people in a respectful manner. What are some of the takeaways from participants in the workshop? I would say some of the takeaways would be, first and foremost, that it is okay to engage in 
brave spaces and trying to have difficult conversations. Additionally, also understanding the importance of using pronouns and respecting others' pronouns, how you can necessarily have that dialogue at the beginning of a consultation or a social interaction and just make sure that everyone is feeling heard. And also, considering the fact that queer theory is applicable to other places and other parts of our lives, I would say right. this is some of the takeaways. Uh, I would add that uh, we hope that p- the people that attended our workshop also understand that it is important to uh, interrogate our daily practices and understand what are our priorities as centers and who do our practices include and why and why not and what are we doing consciously to include people that's very important to us what are some future directions this work might take have you all thought about where it might go next well, we know in the Writing Center currently, we've started implementing our pronoun uh, dialogue, it's trying to include it more, trying to normalize it within our center and within our practice. What are some of the ways that you've worked to normalize it? Do you all talk to new consultants about it? Do you work it into training, things like uh, that? Uh, we are currently working into working it into training, but right now we are trying to make them commonplace. Like when we introduce ourselves, uh, we say, hi, I'm Carlos. My pronouns are he, him, his. Uh, When consultants come up to the waiting area to get their appointment, uh, we want them to not assume that a name belongs to a certain person, uh, that some people have names that do not uh, connect directly to their gender because NSU doesn't, uh, do nicknames. So the names on connecting to the email are the names that they have legally. N- not all students use those names. And also we are including pronouns within our, the bios within MyWC Online. So when students uh, go in to find a consultant that best fits them, they see their pronouns and they see that we are doing that. Pr- we are practicing those things and that that is commonplace for us. And it's our push, essentially. And actually expanding on that, Carlos, sort of considering the ways that we can actually be outreaching towards other queer communities, um, going to our NSU Center for, um, oops, sorry. <laughs> Let me start over. Yeah, NSU doesn't have one. <laughs> I was trying to think of what was that? But what is it, though? It's not the center, but it's the union? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we've been, we are aiming to connect with the NSU union organization. It is a student club on campus, which uh, works to uh, create dialogue around queerness and what it means to be queer and a student and to provide a safe space for those students. So we want to connect with them and find avenues for our work to intersect. I'm so glad that the answer to that question was coalition building or working with other groups in the community. Because for me, that's what I see as the next step for a project like this. That's awesome, guys. Very cool. 
Would you like to join Charles in the Big Rhetorical Podcast? The podcast is booking for next season now. The Big Rhetorical Podcast offers participants the opportunity to contribute to ongoing conversations within our disciplines and beyond. This record of conversations eventually will be a digital archive with the potential to impact the knowledge making in rhetoric, writing studies, and technical communication, as well as adjacent fields. Do you have a new book coming out? Are you hitting the job market this cycle? The Big Rhetorical Podcast wants to talk to you. The Big Rhetorical Podcast core ideals are similar to a community-based writing project with an emphasis on inclusivity and localizing knowledge and in strengthening relationships among peers. Make sure to check out our back catalog of episodes as well as listen to our new podcast each week wherever you listen to your podcast. If you have questions about the Big Rhetorical Podcast, please submit a form at the website www.thebigrhetoricalpodcast.weebly.com. You can also find the Big Rhetorical Podcast on Twitter at TheBigRet. Follow the podcast on Facebook or email us at TheBigRhetorical at gmail.com. Okay, so let's go from here then. What else do you all want folks to know about integrating queer practices in writing center work? Personally, I think I want people to know that it's hard work. It is not easy. It is uncomfortable. And we need to be okay with being uncomfortable because that's how change happens, right? And we need to be okay with understanding that we don't know and it's okay to stumble but that's how we learn that's how we grow and that's how we make spaces that are ethical and inclusive and meaningful to people yes and on that also looking at the available resources such as the yes institute or campus pride um, the consortium of higher education for lgbtq professionals, those are also places where others can um, start to have those conversations if you don't have the necessary language currently for them. There are also places and groups to reach out to. So it's not a conversation that needs to be had alone. As Carlos was saying, expanding the conversation, expanding the dialogue, um, no matter how difficult or uncomfortable it might be, it's important for people to feel seen and to be visible and represented. Jordan, let's talk a little bit about your work and your master's thesis. I guess it's a thesis. Um, I don't know a lot about your program, so we can get into that a little bit. So um, Jordan, tell us a little about the work you're doing for your master's degree. Sure, I'd love to. So part of my work for my master's degree is looking at queer compositional spaces, particularly writing ecologies. And my focus is currently looking at queer travel and queer marketing. So essentially, how do those two concepts or ideas intersect to create sort of this new globalized gay identity? And what I describe it to be is um, those models on Instagram always looking fabulous and wonderful, going off to different locations, um, engaging in different cultures. And so that's where the seed was planted for me there and thinking about how queer mobility and queer identity is seen and recontextualized across different cultural lines. 
Uh, Carlos, tell us a little bit about the work you're doing for your master's degree. So a lot of the work that I am doing, I am interrogating the intersection between composition studies and identity theory. And most of my work centers around finding queerness and what is queerness when you're writing about it. Uh, I center a lot of my work on Jose Esteban Munoz's Queer and Utopia that posits that queerness doesn't exist because the ways that we think about queerness, it's in contrast to straightness. So what is queerness in and of itself? How do you discover that? Um, and I'm trying to find how writing does that. Uh, I'm looking at online spaces, particularly the anonymity that comes from uh, being online, being on the internet and the disinhibition that it causes on the self. Because uh, in many ways, if you choose to, when you go on the internet, you don't have to be yourself. You can be whoever and whatever you want. And I'm looking at uh, online forum role play spaces and looking at how writing within a forum role play space may help individuals discover parts of themselves or explore parts of themselves in a safe way. And how does that aid in their discovery of their own queerness or their own identity? And I'm looking at how creating a technological internet self aids in creating self, essentially. It sounds like there might be some connections to fan fiction to your work, Carlos. I wonder if that's true. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, on Firstly, a lot of role play spaces are uh, connected to fandom and for example i've seen a lot of role play spaces that are based on marvel comics and it's interesting to see uh people writers taking traditionally straight characters and queering them and inserting inserting their identities between the lines there and i my work in undergrad centered around uh fan fiction and fandom and the ways in which consumers of media try to find themselves in spaces that they are not represented in. That really sounds like super cool work. Carlos, the other question I want to ask you about this work, and this is just based on conversation that we had at the conference, is that this is work that's deeply personal to you based on your own lived experience as a gay man and in the world and in digital spaces. Oh, yes. Uh, I have personally uh, been part of the discourse. I have been role-playing on forum spaces for the past seven years. And for me personally, being able to explore what it means to be an identity was pivotal for me in discovering my own queerness and discovering what parts of myself are me. I don't know if I I don't know if that makes sense, <laughs> um, but for example, uh, when I was in the closet, essentially, I role played as a out gay man, and I kind of ex took that identity for a test run, and through writing and the practice of writing and putting myself in a situation of another self helped me discover myself, and most of my work is most of my work is trying to understand my experience again. And 
I wonder if it's something that other people experience. And I wonder if highlighting that, ex- that experience and that practice could help others. Jordan, what do you have planned for the fall semester? Ooh, for the fall semester, I'm planning on expanding my thesis research. So maybe looking at sites such as Wilton Manors, a local gay touristic site, or the gay road as, as you will have it. Um, also considering taking more courses on style, writing, and transmedia. So how are different sort of identities and different sort of brands, labels, marketing tools being used and transposed in different mediums? What about you, Carlos? What are your plans for the fall semester? During the fall semester, I plan on diving more into my research and taking courses like rhetorical criticism and transmedia uh, to understand how spaces can work through the lens of rhetoric, which I think is an angle to my research that I really need to focus on. And I think, uh, thankfully, the courses that are provided in the CRDM program uh, really do help in centering our focus and our research. And I'm hoping to capitalize on that. (laughs) Jordan, any final words from you before I let you off here to enjoy your afternoon? I'd just like to thank you for having us on on your podcast and also um, looking to have more fruitful discussions with um, queer family all over the higher educational board. Thank you. What about you, Carlos? Any any final words? Uh, I want to say thank you for having us on and helping and creating this kind of dialogue, which is very important. And thank you for letting us use our voices and for the cool work that you're doing with this podcast. I think that you're doing incredible work. Shucks, guys. You're supposed to talk about your own work, not mine during the end. But I'll take I'll take the kind word. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, you all, both to both of you for joining me. Of course, of course. Jordan and Carlos for joining me on this episode of the Big Rhetorical Podcast. I am truly excited that the Big Rhetorical Podcast is expanding to include guests we met at conferences. Don't forget that the Big Rhetorical Podcast also promotes conferences. If you want to promote your event, fill out a form on our website, thebigrhetoricalpodcast.weebly.com, and follow us on Twitter at the Big Ret. Leave us a five-star rating and write a review to help us enhance visibility on podcast platforms. Until next time, always be listening rhetorically.